The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Hi guys, uh, my name is Jonathan Brandenburg, and I am a pastor, so I, I can be up here, it's all good, I, I, I'm allowed. And uh, I, I'm a pastor down at University Lutheran Church, it's uh, basically a college ministry down at UT, um, so I spend a lot of time downtown and drinking coffee and playing Xbox in the end of the day. So it's really, it's really awesome to be here amongst you guys today. Um, Gabe and I have become like very quick friends and he called me up like three days ago. I'm like, hey, you want to preach for me? I was like, yeah, yeah, when? He's like three days from now. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'm in. Let's do this. Last minute stuff is always the best. So I hear what he told me and this I hope it's true, is that you guys have been going through kind of a sermon series, and every title of the sermon series has been uh, drawn from a title of a song. And I got really excited about this because I'm a big music fan myself, and I can't play very good, but I am a big music fan. Um, And then when he said, well, what's my song title? He said, Township Rebellion. I was like, Rage Against the Machine? Yes, yes. I'm definitely in. Because I I don't know. uh, Rage Against the Machine is... uh, Uh, There was a a different time in Pastor Jonathan Brandenburg's life where he was not a pastor, and he he was a very angry person and liked uh, Nine Inch Nails and Metallica and Rage Against the Machine. It's like his three top bands uh, in that order. So... um, uh, so I got really excited when I, when, I, when I heard about it, but then I was also really kind of like, how do I preach Rage Against the Machine? I know how to sing angrily to Rage Against the Machine. How do I preach about this? And, and, and then I read the text, and I was like, the text is so like puppy dogs and unicorns. How do we do Rage Against, Rage Against the Machine and puppy dogs and unicorns? You know, I, and then I was like, we're going to do this. So we got to start somewhere. We've got to have a common ground. So Adam, first slide. We're going to do this, or, or second slide. Does anybody know who this is? Just shout it out. Katy Perry. Okay. Does anybody know when this, when this was taken? During the Grammys, yes, well done, well done. See, the, the strange thing about it was, guys, I didn't watch this live. Uh, I was at a pastor's conference was happening, and I saw on Twitter so many things about Katy Perry's performance. I was like, all right, I'll go and like, so I like YouTubed it, and it's probably illegal, but I YouTubed it, and, uh, and I saw the performance, and my first reaction was, whoa, nice cross. It's, isn't it a nice cross? <laughs> I was like, way to go, Katie, getting back to your roots. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, she started out, you know, she, she broke in, you know, singing Christian gospel songs. And uh, actually, I've been a, a, a big fan, and I can, I can say this as a man, I've been a big fan of Katy Perry for a while now. I'm not one of the bandwagoners, you know. I've liked her for a lot of times. You can, you can chastise me afterwards about that. That's fine. Um, but when I saw it, and I kind of watched the whole performance, no matter what you say about, uh, about her outfit and about the, the performance itself, it was a beautiful song. And if you guys haven't heard it, it was really a good song. It was a very powerful, passionate song. But obviously, the well-placed cross on, on Katy Perry's body structure here is, 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 is kind of trying to get your attention, right? And, and what, I mean, anybody, any marketers out here, what do we call this? A marketing scheme. Something value. Shock value. Yeah, it's shock value. It's all about getting your attention. Do you, I mean, anybody watch, did anybody watch the Grammys all the way through? Yeah, yeah, this wasn't the most shocking thing that happened. I'm just letting you know that right now. <laughs> this was pretty tame. Katy Perry brought Jesus. You know, just, just know that. Um, and so, in the most weird sort of way possible. Uh, and, and, and I was thinking about, again, I was trying to think about how, 
why do you do this? I mean, why does marketers do this? And it's a line from Rage Against the Machine that I wanted to highlight. And it's, uh, I don't know if we have a slide. Man, maybe next slide. Let's see if I get this. Uh, nope, it's not that line. But we'll get to that line here in a second. Uh, it's a line within, uh, within the song that says, uh, action for reaction. Action for reaction. And it's all about trying to get people to pay attention to you. And for the Rage Against Machine, Machine song especially, they're trying to shout out about freedom. And I believe this is what Katy Perry was trying to do. I believe this is even what the Grammys were trying to do. They were going to shout out about how their freedom is on the line. And, it, and, and they're going to do whatever it takes to keep a hold of their freedom. And then this, Adam, you can go to the next slide now. Uh, and I think this is what Paul's trying to say as well. You never thought Paul, Katy Perry, and Rage Against the Machine were going to say the same thing, but they do. It says, therefore, my brothers, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. What I want to draw your attention to here is, uh, you know, therefore, my beloved, it's beautiful. He's talking to people he loves. He's talking to his community, his friends, the people that he has toiled and labored with to you know, get a church and a community going. And this is what he says. He says, you have always obeyed. It's an interesting, the Greek word, I won't bore you with the Greek word too much because it's really long and hard to pronounce like most Greek words. But this particular Greek word does not really mean obey. It means to hearken. Yes, yes, King James Version. It's making a comeback, guys. Hearken. You know, hark the herald angel sings. It's like they get it. They pay attention and they get it. The root word literally means to listen carefully. Yeah, I, I obey. You know, it kind of has a Ten Commandments kind of feel. So, yes, I obeyed you, Paul. And I, no, it was, I listened to you. I got what you were saying. You were crazy and wild, and you were this weird Jew that came into my life, and all of a sudden now, like, I'm following this guy named Jesus, and I got it. And if you haven't read the other letters of Paul, most of the time they don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big First Corinthians fan. If you ever read First Corinthians, because they never get it. You know, Galatians, no, no, they never get it either. Ephesians, they sort of get it, and then they forget it. And then, you know, so, so I'm, I'm more of that kind of guy. I'm like, yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm, no, I don't know where you're going now, Jesus. Me and Peter, we have a lot in common, you know. So, but the Philippians, the church of, at Philippi, they got it. For some reason, for one reason or another, they got it. They hearkened. They paid attention to it. And they said, yes, this is our freedom. Because this is what Paul is all about. It's like freedom in the gospel. Freedom by the blood of Jesus Christ coming into our lives, transforming it. All these kind of beautiful things and phrases that we, we always throw out, right? And it's good because that's why we're here. We're about coming together and saying it's about freedom. It's about life and life to the full. It's about a new life, a restored and resurrected life. And the church of Philippi, they got it. Adam, come here to the next slide. But you see, the way we understand our freedom, the way we get our freedom is really what happens. It's really where it kind of goes wrong, if you will. Because I don't know about you, um, but freedom is one of those finicky things. It's either, you're either, it's either working for you or you're working for it. It's either working for you or you're working with it. This is what Rage Against the Machine has to say. If your mind's in a somewhat complacent state, get a checkup. This is a stick-up. You know, some light-hearted stuff for you guys. Our freedom or your life. Lord, I wish I could be peaceful, but there can be no sequel. For Rage Against the Machine, and we'll even 
push this even further. For Rage Against the Machine, for, for even Katy Perry, and for the Grammys, the freedom has to come in sort of a violent sort of way. The freedom has to come in a way of saying, almost, and saying, we are against what people would do to take away our freedom. Whatever takes away our freedom, whatever takes away our choice, we are against that. It has a very negative connotation, if you will. We cannot be complacent. There's no way of being kind of positive in the world when you're trying to deal with your freedom. It's always a violent sort of way. It's always sort of a rage. Shocking, rage against the machine. We talk about rage. You know, kind of sort of way. And if you try to take away, and this is what happened at the Grammys. This is, and again, I know I talk about the Grammys, maybe you didn't see it, but I believe this is what happens at the Grammys. This is what happens in a lot of places. If you try to impinge on people's freedoms, or if there's a movement to say, no, this is wrong, guess what will happen? There will be a counter movement that says, no, it's absolutely right. Whether I believe it's completely right, there's a counter movement, you took away my freedom, it's right. It's huge. It's a huge thing. And I, have, has anybody ever tried to take away your freedom? Then when you say, no, you know, Jesse, you don't have the choice. This is what has to happen. Yeah, and uh, exactly. This is why I like Jesse. He's like, yeah, well, I'll just walk out and then I'm out of here. <laughs> That's what has to happen, you know. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just a really rebellious pastor. It's, it's probably true. Uh, but, you know, I don't know about you, but when somebody tries to tell you what to do, you have to do this. This, is, has, this has to be the way. I, there's, there's a big monster inside of me and says, no, no. No, no, it doesn't have to be the way. I get to choose this way, and I get to choose what's going on here, and then that's how it has to be. My wife and I are, uh, because it's, it's January, actually it's now February, we are, of course, on our dieting thing. This is a once-a-year occurrence that happens in my household. And I remember telling her, I was like, well, this is the week. We're going to throw down. And we were, we were like eating Freddy's Burger at the time. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah. And, and it was really funny because I was like, well, and say goodbye. I hope you enjoy that burger because say goodbye to it. And she looks at me and said, you're taking away my burger, aren't you? She said, yeah, I'm taking away. We're not going to eat a burger, you know, for a month or something like that. I'm going to eat three next week now. <laughs> and she, I mean, because seriously, I try to take away from I try to be like all like violent and forceful. And she was like, no, not having it. And this is what I think Rage Against the Machine, this is what the Grammys, this is what I think what the world responds for their freedom. Adam, can you go to the next slide for me, brother? But you see, Paul has a similar viewpoint, but different. This is where we kind of break uh, in thought process with Rage Against the Machine and Katy Perry and the Grammys. Because Paul's like, you have to work out your salvation. Now, I don't know how many traditional Lutherans are here, or meaning like familial Lutherans, like you've been a Lutheran all your life or have Lutheran church. When Lutherans traditionally see work, we run. Like, no, no, one by the gospel. Freedom. Jesus got it all. I mean, they'll turn Southern Baptist on you almost. You know, they're like, no, it's not that way. Jesus died for my sins, and I don't have to work at all, and that's just work righteousness craziness, and you got to run away from it. I'm telling you, they'll go crazy on you. <laughs> and then, but this is the this is the Bible. You know, I can't change it, guys. You know, and this is the text that Gabe gave me, so I have to run with it. So it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is not on the surface. This does not sound nice. I don't know about you, but when I read this text, because you want to jump to, oh yeah, we're lights of the world, and my beloved, and all these unicorns and puppy dogs that are in these, in these verses, but this 
just is stuck in the middle of it all, and we just gleam by it. Well, that, I don't even know what Paul was talking about. Surely, you know, something is different that I don't understand, you know, because I don't understand the Greek or anything. No, 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 you do. You get it. It's translated correctly. Work out your salvation. So, okay, so has Paul, you know, become a legalist? No. You know, Paul is very, very much about freedom. But you know what Paul else is, uh, what, you know what else is Paul a big fan of? He's also a big fan of you dealing with your freedom. I'm going to give you kind of a narrative, a couple narratives for you to express what I'm trying to say. The first narrative is about, is, is basically saying when people come into the church or people come into a, a faith walk with Christ, they have this sense of, of, of love and grace. At least they should have this sense of love and grace and that's beautiful and that's wonderful but then they want, they want to sit in it like a sauna. You know, if you've ever gone into a sauna, you don't do anything. You sit there and sweat. <laughs> I don't know what is the attraction for sauna, but there's always full up my Y. So I don't know. <laughs> Too many people in there, half naked, you know, for me. So, <laughs> um, but that's what, it, that's what a lot of people treat the gospel, like the relationship with Christ. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to kind of by osmosis, by whatever reaction, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sweat in the gospel. I'm going to soak in the gospel. And it's beautiful because it's always there. God is always pumping comfort. He is always pumping love. He is always pumping in new energy and life into us. He can't, he, it's just him. That's just what the father loves to do. You're my child. Oh, love you. Oh, I'm going to keep loving you. And I'm going to keep loving you. And we can just sit there in that sauna and just kind of go with it. But this is not what Paul's saying. This is Paul's like, he's like coming in with like an air conditioning unit into our sauna. I'm like, no, that's not how it is. <laughs> that's not how it happens, guys. Because it's not about the gospel bringing us into a sauna. The gospel is like throwing us into the deep end of the pool and saying, learn how to swim. Because think about it. Just think about it for a second. Now, I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where I can literally tell you where I hated God. I did not believe in God. I tried to live life without God. Uh, I gave him the proverbial finger and the literal one too, guys. And I went on with life. And you see the gospel, and, and I know how to do that. And it's actually really easy. I mean, it's very painful and it's hurtful, but it's actually very easy. Because what you're doing there is you're sitting in somebody else's sauna. You're just like, well, life is just happens and that's just the way it is. And you know that bumper sticker, you know, things happen. Things happen, and uh, you know that's just what you do. If you don't have God, if you don't have any destination, if you're just kind of living life, that's what happens. It's very easy. It's treading in the the kiddie pool. You just walk around. Not much happens. But if you, but then when you experience the gospel, it's not like they take you out of the pool and put you in the sauna. You experience the gospel. They put take you up and they say, "Work it out," and they throw you in this deep end called freedom. They call you in this deep end called life and actually dealing with issues and dealing with relationships and dealing with how we interact with kingdom and how we interact with ourselves and what is actually going on inside. We don't just go, oh, well, I, I, I feel conflicted, I'm gonna take a drink. Or I feel conflicted, I'm gonna go look at porn. Or, oh, I can feel, feel conflicted, I'm gonna go shop at the Round Rock outlets or something. We don't have that option anymore. Well, we do. <laughs> but that's the working out part now because we know the other option. We know freedom. We know that space to go, that relationship, that covenant relationship with our God, to go into now and say, I can actually deal with these things. 
If, if the, it's, it's, it's like Israel coming out of Egypt. At first, when the, the chains are broken, it's beautiful, right? Good, we're free. And then we look around like, we have no food. <laughs> Let's go back to Egypt. Lots of food. <laughs> you know? Fear and trembling. Paul knows Israel's history. Paul knows his own life. And he says, if we're going to work this out, if we're going to have actual freedom, it is going to be a work. We're going to have to rage a little bit. We're going to have to flail a little bit in the deep end. We're going to have to try to figure this freedom thing out. How do I actually live free, but not under the tyranny of sin, not under the tyranny of brokenness and darkness? Adam, can we go to the next slide? Um, one of my favorite authors, and I think Gabe has probably quoted him a couple times here, Soren Kierkegaard. Um, really interesting guy. I really like him. He has this to say in his book titled Fear and Trembling. If anyone on the verge of action should judge himself according to the outcome, he would never begin. So here's what we have to talk about, guys. You have the freedom of the gospel. Jesus Christ has died on the cross to set you free, to give you life, and that's great. Freedom. It's no more thou shalt nots. No, 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 no. You're not under that anymore. You're free. Even Paul says in 1 Corinthians, everything is permissible. But then he caveats that, right? Caveats that quickly and he says, but not everything's beneficial. This is what Kierkegaard is trying to get to. Guys, you have won a freedom, but you've been thrown into the deep end. If you do not want to be thrown into the deep end, if you have that moment when you and God are relating to each other, when you guys are talking things out, and you say, well, but will it turn out this way? What will the outcome be? Have you ever had that prayer? I've prayed that prayer like a thousand times. God, just, just, can, it's, like, it's like, can I turn to the back part of the book, just the last page, and I can I just peek? Give me five seconds. I prayed that actual prayer. I want to know. Like, I don't feel like I'm type A until I pray, and then I'm like, I need to know everything, God. Lay it out to me. Plan. A little burning bush experience, I'm okay with, you know. But, he said, but Kierkegaard aptly says, Guys, it's not about knowing the end. It's not about knowing where you're going. It's not even about understanding what God is exactly asking you to do. It's about doing it. It's about working it out in fear and trembling and unknown. Hope is a passion for the possible. This is what we get. It's our life raft, if you will. This is our boogie board, if you will. If we were in California, I'd say it's your surfboard, but you know, we're not. When people talk to me about the gospel, and when I get to talk to them, when I get the honor and privilege of talking to them, they're like, why do you believe? Because they hear some of my story, and they hear some of my, my own experiences, and they hear my own rage against the machine side of Jonathan Brandenburg. Um, and they say, why do you believe, dude? And I say, because hope. It's the only thing that can guide us through. If we're being thrown by our own God into a deep end called freedom, if we are trying desperately not to run back to Egypt, to run back to the sauna, if we are trying to actually engage and work things out in fear and trembling, and he's not going to give us the outcome, right guys? He's not going to tell us the end of the story. He's not going to do all those kind of things, guarantees and all that, but he will guarantee one thing. And it reminds us this in, in, in Romans chapter 5. It says, hope never disappoints. 
When I was 10, I remember looking at that verse and going, that is a flat-out lie. Hope always disappoints. You ever hope for something and it didn't happen? Oh, disappointed, right? But it's basing it on the outcome. It's basing hope on the outcome. You see the nuance here, guys? I, I really need, this is kind of the whole point of the sermon. I could have just done a three-minute sermon and just talked about this. You know, but oh well, you know, you need to be creative, I suppose. And so the whole thing about hope, the whole thing about being thrown into the deep end, the whole thing about raging for our freedom in the most positive way possible, if we're not just going to be bitter about God because he threw us into the deep end, shocking, if we're not going to be bitter about the world because it keeps throwing stuff unexpected on us, and you're like, oh, the world's so evil, I just want to go to heaven. No, if we don't want to go into those in-betweens, if we don't want want to go into these places, these dark places, and these black and white spaces where we got it figured out, or we don't have it figured out, and we're mad about it, if we actually want to work in the middle, if we actually want to work in the mess, if we actually want to work in the fear and trembling, how do we do that and keep sane, right? Obviously, I've lost mine. Hope. Because it's passion for the possible. It's passion for what God can do in my life. It's passion for the miraculous, for the resurrection, for the restoration. We don't see it. We don't smell it. We don't taste it at times. And at other times, we bask and revel in it. And it's passion for the possible. And see, that's the difference, guys. That's the difference between... The passion for freedom from a gospel-centered view and passion for freedom from a Rage Against the Machine or Katy Perry or the Grammys point of view, they, for a lot of parts, are against people taking away their freedom. They're against the idea of non-freedom. And on the gospel-centered side, we rage to take hold of our freedom that much deeper. So deeply we take a hold of our freedom that we become servants. So deeply do we take a hold of our freedom that we know when to give it up. So deeply do we take a hold of our freedom that we understand that the only freedom really is hoping. And hoping means passion for the possibility of what God is going to do today. Not what my expectations are. Not what I deem as the appropriate outcome. But only passion for what God has dreamed up for me. And this is such a deep and hard understanding of the freedom that even Paul, who is the freedom of all freedom guys, said, work it out. Work out this salvation. Work out this freedom in the gospel with lots of fear and trembling. Adam, can we go to that next slide? Or maybe there's not the next slide. But this is how Paul ends it up. I'm here with Matt, having, you know, bringing up my... Scripture on my phone. Heresy, I know. This is how, I know we only did two verses of, uh, of Philippians 2, but here's how the, that second chapter, um, verse 13 ends. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is what it's about. His will, his good pleasure. It's the hardest thing in the world, guys. 
the idea of giving up our entire freedom, the idea of pouring ourselves out on the cross to get true freedom back through his will and his good pleasure seems counterproductive. We never give up our freedom. We're Americans. But when we give it up, we receive it in full. When we're poured out, when we're thrown into that deep end, we experience true freedom. We have to work it out in fear and trembling. We have to work it out in hope. We have to work it out in love. We have to work it out in faith. These are the things that guide us. These are the things that keep churning us when we face sadness, when we face darkness, when we face dread and disease, when we face the life that wants to crush hope, that wants to say, you need to take back control because look, it's going out of control. You say, no, his good pleasure, his good will. Hope in the possible. Hope in what God is doing, restoring, resurrecting in your life. My brothers and sisters, I wish I could tell you there is no fear and trembling from here on out but there is. But I can also say there is hope and there is passion for the possible and there is his will guiding us every single day in the power of that Jesus that we proclaim. Hold tight. Swim passionately with hope in the deep end. And I promise you, I promise I guarantee you, he will guide you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.